Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're going down to Cork to be joined by Wendy Okay the founder of Teach Cloud, Wendy, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Rian. Yeah, chuffed to have you. Look, typical, typical fashion of this podcast is we focus on three uh, primary areas, uh, early influences, challenges, and pivotal moments. You've got a really cool story, so let's start with early influences. You grew up in Cork. Any favorite or standout memories of your time growing up in Cork? So I grew, actually, my formative years were in like, Paris, London, and then Nigeria. Wow. But I spent like so I spent more years in Nigeria. Um, and I moved to Ireland then when I was about six. So I would say like early influences would have been definitely my mom and then her grandfather. So mm. like I I tell the story all the time, but it's something that I think about a lot. Um, my grandfather went from a makeshift hut to the Supreme Court judge. He literally grew up in a hut <laughs> with no shoes. Um, and his mom always believed in the power of a quality early education and just an education in general, being able to break the cycle of poverty. So she worked really hard basically to put him through school um, and he would help her out as well after school. But, you know, education really just catapulted him to new heights. And so when I went into college um, to study early childhood education it wasn't actually my first choice I wanted to be a doctor but then my mom was diagnosed with cancer in like I think like fifth kind of sixth year so that really derailed me and kind of because of my grandfather's story I just saw early years education I was like that could potentially be interesting so I put it down on the CAO got into CIT and it kind of went from there but an early influence definitely would have been like my mom and specifically my grandfather's story. What's your grandfather's name? Oh, God. Justice Aniagalu. <laughs> well, shout out to Justice. Um, definitely had a huge impact on you. I've, I've, I've heard the story of uh, going from the hut to Supreme Court. That's absolutely exceptional. I love nothing more than a story of someone who worked their, their ass off to get to where they are. And that's a, that's a true staple of, of that story. Um, you definitely have a Cork accent. I know that you said you spent some of your formative years in Nigeria, London, Paris, but you can hear your Cork accent come through. If anyone hasn't, because this is kind of an international audience, US, UK and Ireland, with the top three locations. Anyone has never been to Cork, where, if they had an afternoon to visit, where would you recommend they should go to? Oh, definitely West Cork anyway. Like just okay. in West Cork, I feel like it's beautiful. Um, and I found a really nice spot in Little Island. I feel like no one knows it exists because I put up a picture of me in like this spot in Little Island. I don't even know what it's called. And everyone was like, oh my God, did you travel during COVID? And I was like, no, I'm in Cork. <laughs> like everyone thought I was like in Spain or something. It's just absolutely beautiful. So it's somewhere in Little Island. It's just a really nice spot. Uh, and then just anywhere in West Cork. Nice, nice. Before we get into business and all those good things, What's one thing you like to do outside of work? One thing I like to do outside of work, it's probably kind of boring, but I like to exercise. I really like swimming. And obviously with COVID, like pools have been closed, but like they're, re they're reopened now, actually, thank God. Mm. So I love swimming because I just feel like I'm really peaceful during that time. 
and I don't have to think about a lot of stuff except there's like a load of kids in the pool and they're like screaming and shouting <laughs> but usually it's peaceful <laughs> nice jumping into business your business is teach cloud you mentioned that part of it was probably influenced by your grandfather um how important do you believe the early years of education are in a child's future yeah so i mean it's a great question we've obviously talked about it from a personal point of view i've seen what it can do in a child's um, life but from an academic standpoint there's a load of benefits for early years education so specifically for quality early years education so we all know that one teacher that we had that like we absolutely hated maybe they were just like really mean to us or they just didn't really care that much about us um, and when you think about early years you think about practitioners or teachers that are warm that are responsive to the child's needs and when you're a child growing up with that secure attachment so you know that you have one adult that you can rely on which we know a lot of children don't have within the home um, so when children go into preschool they know that you know they can meet their friends they, they learn to socialize they learn to emotionally regulate um they learn how to just behave um appropriately depending on the the cultural norms of where they're from and preschool teaches you all of this and you probably can't even remember going to preschool or what your early years were like but obviously that's why they're called the formative years because they really mm -hmm. can determine and define how you come out um, as an adult but specifically to quote research I mean there's been loads of research but one in particular was a longitudinal study and it's something a curriculum called high scope parents if you're listening you'll probably know what high scope is or Montessori so high scope they did like a really long research study and they found that children who attend these quality preschool services so again preschools where they're getting these warm responsive relationships where they're able to play where they're able to socialize where they're able to have their needs and their their um you know their beliefs heard children that attend these quality preschool services are less likely to be incarcerated. They're more likely to own their own homes as adults. They're more likely to graduate college than their peers who did not attend quality preschool services or in general did not you know, receive those loving, caring um, relationships and interactions as children. Fascinating because I recently released a podcast, uh, 11, 11 lessons I've learned from my first 60 episodes and the Number one on that list was the impact of teachers. I've recorded probably 57 out of those 60 podcasts, first 60 were interviews. And when I ask people who had the biggest impact on the growing up, I'd say about 45 of the 57 can recall with a smile and they talk about it forever, a teacher or teachers that had a big impact. And it's a great talking point to get them to talk for two or three minutes. So it's evidence to see that teachers have a massive impact on children and some of the people i'm talking to are in their 60s and they can recall a teacher from when they were seven or eight years old which is phenomenal because i can't remember what i had for dinner two weeks ago or even a week ago um you spent some time working as a development worker tutor and lecturer any lessons learned from those roles that you leverage in your current business uh, that's that's a really great question i'd have to think about that one um i think specifically in the in the lecturing i was lecturing in cit now mtu um, and I also did some lecturing on the QQI level five and level six childcare. So really what I just learned from that was that um, if you want to have, really I learned more about interacting with people, to be honest, because as it, I was a teacher myself and I just wanted to give them as much help as possible. So when I was working with the QQI level five in childcare, I was working with older um, or mature 
students. And so, yeah, I just really learned that it's less about the topic or what you're discussing and really how how you relate to them as, as just human beings. And like you'll see that in any profession you're in. Like if you're talking to someone and they can almost hear the smile on the phone or you're kind of asking, hey, look, how did your day go? How are you getting on? They're more likely to kind of have a better response and just be like, hi, how are you? What you want? Leave me alone. Do you know that kind of way? So if you want anything in life, just try and be like personable and actually actually take an interest in, in you know, um, the person's life that you're talking to agree more i'm going to read a quote that i found on you and it says while doing a phd in early education i found that early childhood teachers were overwhelmed with safety and education regulations while trying to desperately to meet the needs of children and their parents they were spending more time ticking boxes and less time motivating children to reach their full potential then teach cloud was born for those who are not familiar with teach cloud can you take 30 seconds to tell us what it is that you do yeah um, so TeachCloud helps preschool teachers and owners manage paperwork, compliance with regulations, training of their staff, and also communication with parents. So what that really means is that we have benefits and features such as tracking children's attendance, cleaning sheets, risk assessments, instant messaging with parents, or even just enabling the parents to see what their child is doing in the preschool. So like their activities by images and videos, or being able to enroll the child digitally. And it's worked out really well, um, obviously with COVID, that parents are able to do all of this online without having to come into the preschool to fill out a lot of paperwork or take work home. They just do all of this through TeachCloud. You've got a real passion for this. It's easy to see. Uh, for anyone who might not fully believe us yet, even though we reference your grandfather's story, your final year dissertation was titled The Components Which Determine Quality in Early Childhood Education and Care. And you received the highest mark in your year. So the debate about whether you've got passion or not is evidence. Where does that passion come from? Is there a standout teacher to you in your mind from your early years? It has to be more than just your grandfather. Yeah, so I, I would say there's probably two standout teachers. One is in my, was in my early years, and then the other made me like love education again. So the first one was a guy called James. I have no idea if he'd even remember me. I just think he was just like a really nice teacher and just was like nice to everyone. Um, but he would have taught me in sixth or in fifth class actually in primary school. And I we moved to Ireland like I said when we were six. So this was like a, we had only been in Ireland really a few years, and I didn't really have that many friends. And I had a little bit of a tough time in primary school. And to be honest, I had a tough time in secondary school too but James is always really nice so that's that's how I can describe him and you could tell that he actually cared about his students and like he'd always want to make sure you were okay like personally but then also like academically he was a great teacher so he just he made me feel comfortable we weren't we were kind of new in Ireland still and so it was just nice to have like an adult that obviously excluding like my my mom <laughs> um, an adult that like you know cared about you and then Going on from that, like I said, I had a really hard time in secondary school, didn't do well in my leaving search at all. So if you're watching this and maybe you're doing your leaving search or you have a child that's doing it, it's really, I mean, obviously try and do well, but it's not the be all and end all. I did really yeah, badly agreed. and I still, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay. But yeah, so then the second teacher, she was a lecturer actually in MTU. Her name is Dr. Judith Butler and she was my PhD supervisor. And she is probably like bar God and like my mom, she's like the reason that I started Teach Cloud. She's just, wow. um, she reminds me of like what, like if you thought of like the best human 
ever like that's her like <laughs> she's like so lovely she's so caring but she's also like really intelligent so not only will she push you to be like academically better but she'll actually push you to be a better person and that's really what I think teachers are it's like the academics is really important but also like the the interpersonal skills as we know, like working in any job, whether you're an entrepreneur, you own your own business, or you work for someone else, you need to be able to relate to people. That's that's phenomenal. I I, I hope Judy knows that that you feel that way. If not, she would be thrilled to hear that. Um, you've won multiple awards. You referenced the Leaving Cert. I think it started today. Um, I didn't do too well myself either, and, and I'm okay at the moment. So there's two people now telling you that. But you've won multiple awards. Got to read some of them. Ireland's 30 under 30, Ireland's best young entrepreneur, best startup in Monster Region 2019, best business plan award at the New Frontiers, best student of the year two years in a row, 2014 and 2015. That's a lot. There's more. I'll stop there though. What would you say to anyone who is considering putting themselves forward for an award? Any benefits you've seen? as a result of the award? Yeah, so the, I'll answer the first question. If you're considering it, just do it. A lot of those mm-hmm. awards, like, you know, going into New Frontiers or even the local enterprise IBYE and just awards in general, usually the application form is like super quick. So like just, you know, read the questions, put down the answers and forget about it. Um, but if it's something that's gonna take you a, long, a longer time, then yeah, obviously think about it a bit more. Um, and I would just say, just go for it. Um, the benefits of those awards that you get to, even if you don't win or you don't get anything from it, um, with regards to like money or financial help or mentoring, you get to meet other entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs will seriously inspire you. You'll get to see what they're doing and that they have, you know, very similar challenges to you. So the peer to peer learning and a lot of those programs, specifically things like New Frontiers, which is like an accelerator program by EI you'll get to meet a lot of different people, mentors, uh, financial advisors, but, but other entrepreneurs that are, you know, going in the same journey as you are. And you'll keep, you'll still be talking to them five years later, even if you don't end up starting your own business, like there's so many lessons to be learned. So if you're thinking about starting a business or just in general, just applying for um, those kind of awards, just go for it. You've got your shit together. If that's safe to say. Um, March, 2020, you said that attracting talent was a big challenge. I don't know whether that was a, 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 challenge, a comment you made when talking to someone or a challenge you were facing at the time, but especially with big tech uh, prevalence, both in Cork, I'm on the border of Meath and Dublin, a big problem here as well to compete against them. How do you do that? How do you compete against big tech when trying to attract talent to your organization? I actually think uh, like w- when I said that, just to st- start off with, um, part of the problem was definitely myself and my inexperience in actually hiring the right candidate. So from those learnings, I really learned that regardless of if if you're even thinking about, you know, competing with like the likes of Apple now, for example, um, I was really focusing on their like sales talent. Developer talent, I found fairly straightforward um, to find. And I have really good relationships with our in-house, you know, developers and CTO. But specifically with sales and marketing, I found that incredibly difficult. And for me, it was less about competing with the, um, you know, the bigger companies. And it was more about understanding what I needed as a business and who I am as a worker so some entrepreneurs are laid back you know and if you meet if you don't meet a deadline they'd be like look it's grand you know they'll give you an extra day Um, and then other entrepreneurs are like if I if I say you know this is the deadline and I feel like that's most of us entrepreneurs then this is the deadline so if you know yourself and you have that self-awareness then it's very easy to hire the right person and also someone that 
could fill in those gaps. So if you're looking for a co-founder, for example, then you need to hire someone who will actually fill in the weaknesses that you have within yourself. But that really all starts with self-awareness. And then obviously when you're putting up the job spec, again, self-awareness comes into it because what are you looking for? And if you are the person applying, why would you want to work for TeachCloud? Like, what can you offer them? You know, for us, it's really like a really nice, small team. It's a team that actually cares about you, do you know? So like, I had just one of my developers and he, he just wrote to me today. He said, look, I, I have an appointment tomorrow. Is it okay if I take it? They only just gave it to me today. And I'm like, of course, you know? And he's always like, in other companies, you couldn't do that. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? You're kind of just a number. And also that um, in something like a startup, there's really, there's a, a way you can grow with the company. Um, so you're not just kind of stuck in one position, you're going to be doing lots of different things. But again, I really have to sit back and think, like, what is good about TeachCloud? Why would somebody want to work here? And what am I actually looking for? What are we missing uh, for this role? So for me, it started with self-awareness and, and less to do with kind of like competing with other organizations. Solid answer. Uh, what's, a, what's a commonly held belief about your industry that you disagree with? So with regards to the early childhood industry, can I say two? Because yeah. there's like two I feel like that are like competing. So the first one is that early childhood teachers, all they do is play all day and that they don't actually educate and care for children. So a lot of people believe that, you know, like when I say those benefits that I, that I first mentioned, they're so shocked. They're like, wait, just going to a quality preschool in your formative years can have all these benefits and they just can't wrap their head around it because um, a lot of people don't realize that those formative years are one incredibly important and that actually your preschool education plays a huge role and just your early experiences so that would be the first thing is that early child educators are not just like kind of babysitters they're not just like sitting around minding children they're actually educating and caring for um for us if you're if they're doing it right if you're going to a quality preschool um, and then the other belief is that if you're in early years education as an entrepreneur you can't make money so a lot of times that i had to pitch uh, you know i was pitching to you know maybe men that were like above 50 and they just did not understand they were like preschool what do you mean like don't kids just like mm. sit around all day like why do they have to be in preschool so it was kind of educating them that this is actually a viable business um and it's something that's really needed and that preschool owners will pay for a solution that helps them manage their business better absolutely um what's your favorite part of leading your business <sighs> Um, do you know what I like when I first started this I was like so afraid and, and to be honest I'm still kind of afraid um, because it's hard leading a business I, in my opinion as a woman um, you know I'm I'm the minority in Ireland as well and I'm also the minority with regards to like entrepreneurs in general so all of that can be difficult but to be honest for me it's actually having everything on your shoulders so when you're running a business like you can't blame anyone else, even if it's somebody else's fault. It will always be your fault. You know, you're, you're mm. the face of the business, you're the owner. So it's taking on that responsibility. But that's also what I like. I like that I'm in charge of my future. I like that I've created something that I can be incredibly proud of and that nobody else can take that from me. Whether it fails or it succeeds, we've made an impact in thousands of parents' lives that use our software every day and also teachers and, and, and preschool owners. So it's been an amazing journey so far. Shocks me that you feel that way sometimes because to me, I've had limited dealings with you, but you've always always come across as very professional. Um, some people will cancel or postpone podcasts and won't even say it. You got in contact and were like, hey, can we do it? If we can't, I'm still willing to do it right now. You, you come across quite confident and very well spoken. 
Um, but I've but I've seen you. I've, I've, you've mentioned there that uh, you you're in the minority of uh, you. I know you. I know you're ambassador for National Women's Enterprise Day, and you've said that you sometimes fear is being seen as arrogant. Um, that shocked me because you do seem as incredibly confident, very well spoken. Uh, you're you, you've you've been surrounded or brought up by you, you. You've mentioned your mother and your grandfather. You've got some really good. Uh, early influences so um uh, i was taken aback when i read that i don't know was the document titled we fear being as being seen as arrogant but uh, that kind of took me aback so it's um maybe that will help other people who might feel that they're in the same position as you to see wow shit no i can't actually i can take a stab at something and do something yeah, so that's a great question because a lot of people say that to me, not just like personally or professionally. They'll kind of say you come across as really confident. And I think a lot of times people will see me doing presentations to 1800 people. Like we had a webinar with, you know, around 1800 people on it. Um, I've presented live to 400 people and people will be like, God, you're so confident and you're this and you're that. And I'm really not the whole time I'm bricking it. Um, but I think the really good thing about entrepreneurs is you'll find that actually a lot of them are quite insecure and they're not mm -hmm. as confident as they come across but I think when you're very passionate about something and also that fear will drive you you know so you, a lot of people that have done really brave things they'll say at the end like I was really afraid like I, I didn't know what I was doing but I just knew I had to keep going and that's kind of what it's like being um, being an entrepreneur. I've found that because uh, I'm self-employed as well that sometimes uh, having you know you mentioned 1400 people You'd, I'd be nervous as well speaking in front of uh, a group of people. But then after having done it, you all you 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 feel in a better place and you know that okay, next time I do it, I can still feel nervous, but I know what the other side of this feeling feels like. So the nerves are still there, I'm still breaking it. Um I still probably overprepared, but at least now I know what the other side feels like. So it's always push yourself through it so that you know what it feels like. It's like the driving test. My first one, I kind of just went in with the attitude going, I'm just going to do this so I can say I've got the experience of having done it. I don't even think I was thinking of even trying to pass it. I just wanted to do it so the hours were there. And they say a lot of elite athletes, like any uh, MMA fighters, they say cage time, fight time counts massively uh, because the more time you're out of the ring, the less time you have in it, the less experience you have, the less of that feeling you're able to absorb. Fighting in front of a crowd and outside of a crowd is completely different. So... Um, Thanks for sharing that. Um, one thing I want to want to ask you is, you've you've got all these awards. You're you're building a, a really cool business. How do you build brand awareness or awareness of the business? Yeah, and before I actually answer that question, I do want to say something because I love sport as well. Sure. And one thing that's really interesting was that you know Michael Phelps, he won like a lot of gold medals. Yes. <laughs> at like every Olympics, like the last like four years, and he retired. But I remember he was doing an interview and he said that he literally trained every single day for a year, including Christmas, every holiday in order to prepare for the Olympics. And um, he said that, yeah, people always say that he's talented, but actually it comes down to hard work. So that's like really interesting because, you know, sometimes you look at people and you're like, they're so talented. Like Michael Phelps, he's like, what, six, seven or something like that. Like he was built to swim, but actually he still yeah. has to train he actually trained even harder than other people that didn't win gold medals. So yeah, it's really like, I, I really believe in, in hard work. Um, and then to answer the, Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, and if he skips a day, he'll probably, that, that fear will probably creep in. I, I don't know if the talk you're referencing is the one where Tony Robbins invited him to his house, but there's a talk that Tony Robbins did. It's on Tony Robbins YouTube channel with Michael Phelps. It's about two and a half hours long. 
I'll leave a link to it below if anybody wants to watch it, but well worth checking out. Yeah, I think it actually was that. <laughs> I think it was that. <laughs> Tony Robbins is great too. Um, mm. So yeah, brand awareness. Um, so I'm actually in this now because with COVID, everything kind of slowed down, like preschools closed. I mean, we know a lot of businesses closed, right? So now we're really getting back to that brand awareness and we're looking at it from multiple um, viewpoints. So really what we want is we want to build brand awareness, not just by a lot of businesses will just sell, sell, sell. So just like buy, take a demo, you know, call us. And I think mm -hmm. for us, especially with like our training platform, Cloud Academy, we started the Cloud Academy initiative to enable preschool teachers to have, and parents to have access to quality training. So we have everything on um, guiding children's behavior all the way to inclusion, diversity and equality within preschool services. And that all brings builds brand awareness but really we just want to bring as much value as possible so we'll do things like that webinar that I talked about where we had we had 1800 people register and 1400 people showed up and that was on COVID-19 and actually reopening wow. within the midst of COVID-19 we did another webinar on it was called be the buffer and it was about trauma we had about 500 we actually had to cap it um so we had about 500 people on that webinar um and it's just we build brand awareness by kind of not building brand awareness by really just focusing on bringing value to prospective customers because mm -hmm. then they look and they're like wow teach cloud did that webinar they they gave me that um that free ebook they really start to trust you and and specifically looking at the content that it's actually quality content so a lot of times we're getting experts on here so for example that teacher that i talked about dr judith butler she was our expert on trauma because that's literally her area um, for that webinar, um, we got a lawyer and this was all free to the, the preschool services, like they were able to join um, mm -hmm. and get that information. So for me, brand awareness equals value. This is fascinating. Um, from someone who uh, said that they had a tough time in primary and secondary school and who didn't necessarily do great in their leaving cert, you've achieved a, a, a lot since then. Uh, 1800 people registered for a webinar is, is is a really cool achievement. You've You've touched on experts, Tony Robbins, who do you learn from? Are there books you read, podcasts you listen to, uh, people that are in your inner circle that you go to for advice? Yeah, so um, for me, like there is a book, um, The Daily Stoic. I'm kind of obsessed with that. And I'm also obsessed with the Bible because I'm a Christian. So both of those books, in my opinion, are kind of not the same thing, but like they have a lot of the same kind of like philosophies. So the mm -hmm. Daily Stoic will basically just be like, and the Bible is the same. Like, it's like things you can't control. Like, why are you worrying about it? Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? The birds have food to eat every day. So like, why are you worrying about, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? Like live in the present moment and do your best today and then focus on tomorrow when it comes. And I'm quite, I can be quite anxious, especially running a business and having that mindset being like, again, the Daily Stoke will say like a more fatty, which is like basically nothing is worse than death. So like, if you're not dying, then like relax because you'll wake up tomorrow and actually be a new day and you'll get an email or you get a phone call that will change your whole day or you'll meet someone, yeah. um, you know, that will just make you smile, right? So those two books, the Bible and the Daily Stoic. Um, and then somebody that, which is like, a bit far removed from like the bible is gary v because he, he swears a lot <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but if you're into that kind of stuff gary v is really good because some people are like don't like him or whatever he i think he might be kind of like marmite but for me he's just really honest and he just like, like if you're an entrepreneur go do it like go start mm -hmm. the business go talk to those customers and that's kind of my mindset i don't like talking about things which actually can be a detriment because sometimes i don't plan i just do um, but then some people plan too much, you know, they're just sit at their desk and they never go out and talk to customers. So you need to have like a balance and Gary Vee is really great at creating that balance. Yeah. He's, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Gary Vee. Two final questions. I'd like you to imagine that we're now talking 
as if it's the year 2030 um, and you're looking back on the last decade, pretending that now is 2030 and you're looking back, what would you like to be looking back on from the last 10 years? Um, to be honest, it would be less to do with my professional career and more to to be, did I actually grow personally? So what have I learned in my journey in life? Who have I helped? Have I been able to make an impact? And I think obviously that goes into your professional development because if you're making an impact in general, usually that's going to feed into your personal and your professional life. But I want to be able to look back and be like, who did I help? Who did I make an impact on? You know, like, what did I actually achieve? I don't want every day to be the same or just to be doing the same thing every day. I want to, I really want to make an impact. And the 10 years thing is, is you know, or 2030 is really actually also what I'm, what I'm looking towards. But then at the same time, I want to be able to remember each, not each day, but I want to have like lived in the present moment because I can be like always looking towards the future. So I want to actually be able to be like, I did that, I did this and actually have enjoyed the experience rather than just like you said, just being like super nervous and like overprepared and like, you know, like just super anxious. I want to actually be able to look back on things and smile and be like, wow, that was actually a great experience that I enjoyed. Nice answer. Final question. Uh, all your loved ones, whoever you live with, they're all safe, but your house is burning down and you can only save one item. What one item is that going to be? One item? Oh, definitely be my laptop. Oh my God, for sure. <laughs> or like my phone or something, like either a laptop or a phone, whichever one is closest. Okay, cool. Well, look, Wendy, I've, I've had a great pleasure getting to know you a little more over the last 30 minutes. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best going forward. I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, but for me, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you, Reen. And can I just say your questions were super insightful and I love taking part in this. So thank you for having me. Hey, yo, Metro, don't trust you. I'm going to show you. Beautiful